Sean Smith by the runaway beer truck down the sidelines. Greer lobs it in the air. Oh, what a catch, Gary Jennings. Touchdown, West Virginia. Left, still running back there, plenty of time. And now the clock down to 15. He throws in the end zone. It's intercepted by Brian King. Brian King intercepted the football with 12 seconds to go. The West Virginia Mountaineers have shocked the number 12-rated Hokies of Virginia Tech. Pat White under center, takes the snap, takes a knee, and Georgia is defenseless. The West Virginia University Mountaineers have come into Atlanta, Georgia, and they have captured the 72nd Sugar Bowl with an incredible 38-35 victory over the Georgia Bulldogs. It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is week one, finally, after a long offseason. Mountaineers return to the field in College Park against Maryland Heritage. I am Hank Steinmiller, joined by my co-host, Jake Thomas. How are we doing, Jake? Doing good. We're 24 hours away, well, uh, I guess 27 hours away from first West Virginia game. Been waiting a long time, like you said. Had some great football on last night. It was fun to actually watch so even some conference games. That Ohio State game was pretty good. So uh, I'm ready to go. So am I. And we bring back a rivalry, semi-rivalry, to start the year with Maryland. Um, have played them a couple of times in the past 10 years or so. but uh, it's, uh, It was uh, for when we first got to the Big 12. Didn't we play them from like 11 through 14 or something like that? I think we played, it might have been a home-and-home home or maybe a four-game series there or something. Yeah, something like that. Back to – Back to the building blocks here with our – we're getting back into the rivalry games in the um, non-conference slate. we got Virginia Tech coming up. But first we got to focus on Maryland. Um, difficult year last year from them. I mean, there, there's not much to take away from a COVID-riddled year, but will they play five games? Yeah, two, two and three overall. Um, the – the the one thing that still got uh, stood out to me was that that defense gave up some points last year, it, even in just five uh, five games. Uh, the Minnesota one, we just saw that Minnesota offense last night put up some points on Ohio State, but uh, they gave up forty five to them last year. So uh, uh, there's a uh, there's some big playability there. Lost lots of points they gave up last year. Their back end is the strongest part of that defense. They only gave up two hundred pass yards a game, but they are able to be gashed on the ground. Um, starting with our offense, though, speaking of that, it seems it seems that the running game is going to be the biggest threat to Maryland. Um, couple that with the strong back end of Maryland's defense with our, I wouldn't say completely inept pass offense, but it's not really a big, big play threat in the past game. So um, I'd, I'd look for us to lean on Letty Brown and the running back group mostly. Yeah. I think for me, I think the the center position and the two guards with uh, Gmitter and Doug Nestor, I think that's going to be the crucial part. Can they move some people, which Maryland showed that like you can move those internal de- defensive linemen 
and run just straight up the gut on them with our zone running scheme to get some big gains. And then I think that could open up the passing game because we, we don't really know what to expect because we haven't really seen much man-to-man coverage in the Big 12. Uh, I went back and looked, and TCU plays a little bit of man-to-man, but then outside of that, it's just Oklahoma, which we didn't see last year. Jared Deggie has actually never played against Oklahoma. So you're used to seeing that zone scheme. Can any of our receivers maybe beat some guys off the line? They're going to come up and play press man-to-man coverage. If one of them can maybe get behind the defense, you could see explosive plays that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, especially if you make them come up with a seven, eight-man box. We saw that last night in the Minnesota-Ohio State game that Ohio State was going with seven down linemen at certain points of that game. And Minnesota was still able to push the ball with them, but it opened up those one-on-one opportunities to the outside. Unfortunately for them, Taylor Morgan didn't connect on a whole lot of those, but I'd expect I, I'd expect Daggy with his accuracy to start hitting some of those if they are presented. But I also expect the run game to have a decent day. Maryland does return all three of their down linemen of that three-four scheme but they are replacing all four linebackers that are going to be the key to tackling, obviously, in our – well, tackling our running backs. So Yeah, and it might be be a whole new scheme too. We don't know that – we don't really know what to expect with the new defensive coordinator there. Um, I I don't think they'll switch it up a whole lot, but uh, just from his past. uh, But things may be a little different from what we saw from them last year. They might have some different coverages and different checks, but Loxley's kind of got that whole program the way that he wants to do it with his offense coming from Alabama, and he wants to run that 3-4 defense. So no idea what the new defensive coordinator coming in, but I don't, I'm not sure how much control he has over what particular base set they play in. Um, yeah, and that's, that's really not that big of a deal anymore, to me at least, because you play a lot of nickel and dime packages anyway. Mm-hmm. That's almost probably 80% of the packages you'll see on the field. So it's going to come up to that, those four linebackers and that hybrid safety nickel type guy that's going to be near the line to make those tackles and replacing all four of them. Granted, they could all be pretty good, but usually when you're replacing a whole lot of people, it takes a while to gel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, especially those linebackers, new guys coming in, they were sixth in the country in percentage of plays blitzed. Um, so in the passing game, if they do continue to try to – you got new guys trying to get after Deggy. So not only are they going to have a tough time tackling in space, but – how do they fare against the offensive line for West Virginia uh, to get after Deggy to create some pressure to try to stop those big plays from happening? Right. So, like you said, it's going to be the interior linemen. Um, it's usually your biggest threat for run game or your biggest key of emphasis in the run game. Um, the other thing – and. I'm taking a lot out of this Ohio State-Minnesota game from last night. But the other thing that I see, and it's becoming prevalent in all football, is guys that don't want to get downhill. You saw um, Mo Abraham 
get downhill last night, and he ran for what one sixty, one seventy until he got hurt. Yeah, I think it was I think it was one seventy in about two and a half quarters. That um, the backup there, I don't remember his name, but you saw the difference when he came in and started going sideline to sideline instead of planting his foot and go. Yeah, I mean, as soon as Ibrahim uh, got the ball, it felt like he was already four yards past line of scrimmage. Like it, it was, it, he just stuck his foot in the ground and was explosive uh, right. right off the bat. And you didn't, you don't need those. Yeah, he broke off a fifty-something yard run on a fourth and one, but you don't need those big, big plays every time in the run game. You get four yards, five yards here, and you're going to wear that defense down. So, mm-hmm. one thing I will say compliment letty brown on is a lot of times you see him plant his foot and go you gotta you can run east to west a little bit but when you know you're not going to get to that sideline around the corner you need to plant that foot and go get your two three yards that you can get and i think letty brown can do that with a defensive line that obviously didn't play very well last year and four new linebackers he should be able to get those two three yards right off the bat getting the ball and then finishing the runs, whether he runs through arm tackles, runs through someone, falls forward for a couple more yards, whatever it may be. Um, I'm not too worried about putting up huge, big plays. Yes, they help, but sticking to what we do good, which is running. Well, using last year's stats, what we do well is run the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep those third downs and third and short, third and three and under-ish. Um, don't make Daggy sit and pick apart a defense, especially with their secondary being the big um, strength of it. So what I what I want to see is probably 120, 125 from Letty Brown, and hopefully Daggy can get in that 175, 225 range, and we'll see what the backup running back does, whoever they try out there to spell. From the sound of it, it's going to be uh, Jalen Johnson. Is that his name? The the freshman? Jalen Anderson. Jalen Johnson's next year's running back coming in. But uh, what what did you see from him? I I know you did some stuff with uh, the freshman, uh, the recruits from last year. Uh, It sounds like Tony Mathis is going to be hurt. So he's going to be the guy to come in and spell uh, Letty Brown. So uh, what do you see from him? that could help out this offense? Jalen Anderson, from what I saw, and I believe if I'm speaking about the right one, Justin Justin Jefferson, I don't There was a Justin something from Illinois that came in, but I believe Jalen Anderson is the one from Ohio mm-hmm. in that Canton-ish area. He played big-time high school football. That's no joke up there. Uh, when I talk about the top five high school states in America, Ohio's up there. So he's no stranger to good competition. Anderson's a pretty pretty stout back. He's not a little scat back type player. So you're going to see a lot of what looks like Letty Brown in a young Jalen Anderson. So as long as those holes are up, opened up, I don't expect much of a fall off from Letty Brown to Jalen Anderson. Granted, you're going to have some growing pains with the freshman running back. But I think running back is probably the easiest position as a freshman to step in and run. Yeah, all you gotta do is be able to see the hole and hit it. Yeah, especially with the especially with the scheme, because I mean it's just a zone. uh, It's a zone running concept that uh, I mean it should be pretty easy to pick up. You find your cutback lane, and you should be off to the races there. So, what I 
I'd like to see is both of them hit their holes and go. And with the way that Anderson runs and what I expect to see from him, it should give Letty Brown plenty of rest that he did not get last year. So mm-hmm. if you can get another 30, 40, 50 yards out of Anderson, I, I see West Virginia sitting pretty sitting pretty in this game. Yeah, so, I mean, based on that, the the offense with the running ability maybe hit some plays for Deggy in the past game. I think that it's very possible that we see this West Virginia offense get up over 30 points. Do you think uh, if you if you're talking about last year's defense, uh, I think we could easily say that they're not going to allow this Maryland team to get to 30. What do you think about uh, moving over to the defensive side? Do, do they have the ability to slow down this Maryland offense? Yes, I think so. Um, there's a lot of people high on Tal- Talia. Talia. Uh, I think it's Talia Tugavailoa. Yeah. A lot of people high on him, and I think a lot of his plays and numbers last year came from necessary um, passing situations, necessary down big, just just the way that the game was going. I, don't, I think they were inflated numbers, mm-hmm. to be fair. Um, completion percentage isn't great. It's only 61%. Um, didn't throw for like a whole, whole bunch of yards, but he's certainly capable. And I think the lack of potential lack of just sheer talent on that roster coupled with a, um, hang on one second, (laughs) coupled with a young offense. I don't see them putting up too many, too many gaudy numbers against West Virginia defense. The, the, the scary part is Dante Demas. Uh, I mean, that's one guy on offense to watch out for because, I mean, he has big playability. I think against Penn State last year, he had two 40-yard catches for touchdowns, 40-plus yards. So the one thing I, I saw when I was went back and looked at some of the games that they played last year, Talia, he was so hit or miss because I, I looked at his PFF grades. Mm-hmm. He had one at 90. This is out of 100. So 90, great game from him. 74, okay, middle of the pack. And then he had two games where he was at 40 and 41. That Those were terrible games. Yeah. When you look at some of the in-depth, more in-depth stats, he had a turnover-worthy play on 5.9% of his pass attempts. So, I mean, that was – I think that had him, like, top 25 in the country. Mm-hmm. So, when he tries to make plays, he can be explosive and hit his receivers down the field. But there's also a pretty high chance that this West Virginia defense is going to be able to fly around and, and cause some turnovers. Which t- took me to another key point in the game is the turnover conversation where Maryland was minus seven in turnover margin last year. Per game, they were almost pushing two. So that's ranked 124th nationally. Mm-hmm. Another big key to that with the running game is you're going to keep, hopefully, keep our chances of turnovers down with their chances of turnovers already being prevalent issue in their offense. You get a plus two turnover margin right there, and you're already looking at a probably another touchdown 10 point yeah. swing. Uh, the the one. 
The, the one thing that you don't have to worry about is Jared Deggie turning the ball over. He he has shown that he, he can be pretty safe with the ball, uh, and you can't say that about this Maryland offense. No, and I think it was nine interceptions for Tulia last year. Yes. Seven, seven interceptions, and there was a few fumbles that they had. So it's seven and seven. The talent, I think, from – Tagovailoa is there. It's just, does he have the playmakers around him to not feel the need to make that big play? And mm-hmm. can he make the good decisions? Yeah. Uh, the the one question I have about this defense and Talia is, do you think that the linebackers for West Virginia can do a good job of keeping him contained? Because uh, we've talked about how he turns the ball over a little bit throwing the ball, but there's also the threat of being a dual threat guy that he can, he can run a little bit. Uh, are you concerned at all uh, that he might get out in space and create plays I, with his legs? I put that on the defensive line more. So I'm not worried about our defensive line. Yeah. I mean, I'm not worried about the defensive line. I, I think they, uh, they've cemented themselves as probably the He's top going- He's going to – I mean, no matter what, with a dual-threat quarterback, you're you're going to get some yards from him on the ground. But I trust the defensive line with Stills and um, Puller to be able to keep him. Mesador? Mesador moved inside. Did he not? He's nose tackle now, right? Puller's gone. It, Taj Austin's the third starter on the line. Okay. Also, either way, Puller and – I forgot Puller did – yeah, he transferred out. But uh, Alton, Alton, if he's healthy, is still – I mean, you're swapping in guys there as long as he stays healthy. Right. I forget. I get those two confused. But uh, <laughs> Alston and Stills on the outside there will have whatever linebacker down. That 3-3-5 scheme is more like a 4-2-5. But um, whatever linebacker shifts down, whether it's uh, Bandarius Cowan um, – Whatever that weak side or Sam linebacker is, I forget who else uh, are out there. Extra low. Yeah, I mean, extra low's been in the program for it seems like seven years now. So, I, and there's been flashes. I I wish he would have gotten more of an opportunity to play. I think he has a great potential to play. Um, but that experienced defensive line, it is fairly experienced. My big big thing with that is the middle, which won't really be a big play factor in keeping Tagovailoa contained. So I don't expect an issue with that. Um, he'll get a few yards here and there, but I don't expect him to go run for 70 yards on a play, broken play. That's going to happen. I, yeah. I expect them to contain him. Uh, so actually, low, uh, he's taking over – or who's taking over the Tony Field spot? Is that actually uh, low or is that uh, Chandler Samito? That should be Chandler Samedo. Uh That's the one area that uh, I don't know that concerns me a little bit because there is a drop off from. Uh, I mean, Tony Fields was. Uh, I mean, watching oh, yeah. him. Uh, yeah, wa- watching him play football and chase after guys going sideline to sideline. There, there is a problem there. Of you're taking a step back. So hopefully those guys can still put up good enough numbers uh, to not uh, to not let everybody get loose. 
What I like to see from those linebackers is the depth that we still have. You have Cowan that's played a bunch. Lowe has experience. Um, Chandler Semedo, injury prone, but played. Jared Bartlett back there still. Yeah, then you have the two transfers too. Uh, I mean, they uh, there's a Penn State transfer, yep. um, and then the main transfer. I get the two names confused. One's one's Lance Dixon, and one's and one's Deshaun Stevens. Stevenson. Yeah, I believe Penn State is the Dixon guy. Yeah, so I I've heard good things from them that they will get playing time. So you've got you you've got probably six to seven guys at the linebacker spot that can all rotate in and make plays. Yeah, so I think I think they'll be all right. I don't know how Jared Bartlett's still there. I don't know if we if I'm confusing him with someone else, but he might be like a 12th year senior. <laughs> I mean, you're seeing that across all of college football because I mean, last year you had fourth and fifth year guys that are now turning into fifth and sixth year guys. Somehow Jared Bartlett's only listed as a sophomore. Seriously? Yeah, I feel like he's been there forever. I don't know why, but. <laughs> Must be another Bartlett we had. Yeah, I can't think of it, but uh, I I agree with you. I thought I thought he's been there for longer than that. I think so, he so he played as a freshman. So technically, this would be his third. Yeah, he's this probably is his third third, year. But they didn't count last year, I would say. Yeah. But um, along with that, I I mean, the front six or seven, I'm not too worried about, and I'm not extremely worried about barring any injuries that secondary so couple the good secondary with the potential bad decision making of Tugabailoa and I think you're looking at a pretty pretty vanilla stale Maryland offense yeah there there are a lot of people talking about how high powered it can be and I I, I just don't see that I think that if you can with the zone scheme that uh that, that West Virginia plays on the back end I like. I don't see what did I say his name was the receiver uh, Dante Demas. I don't see him getting over the top, and that's like the big play that they really relied on last year. So they were explosive at times, but these safeties are good enough to keep him contained. Mm-hmm. And then you're just waiting for Talia to make a mistake. Right. I just i I don't want to make it sound like we're homers. We are, but. But looking at it from a semi um, plain view of sight, you'd, I just don't see the explosiveness coming out. I, I believe Maryland does have potential to be explosive, but I think they're still another year away. They, I mean, this team is still young. Yeah, with a a decent defense coming back, it's not going to be the top defense rated in the nation like it was last year. But with a defense that has as much experience as this one does against a semi-inexperienced Maryland offense with a turnover-prone quarterback. I don't see the big points being put up, and I'm not saying West Virginia is going to go put up big points on their side of the ball either. This could be a very, very low-scoring game, like a 27-10 type of look to it, but I believe it's going to be controlled right out of the gate from the West Virginia offense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. So, what are uh, what are your three keys if we're gonna if if we kind of put everything that we've just talked about for the last twenty minutes together? If you had to give three keys for the game for the Mountaineers, uh, what would you get put them at? Get me two turnovers. That's what I want. 
um, establish the run early and often. You saw last night, and I'm going to keep referencing it, the Minnesota game. They knew where their strengths were, and it mm-hmm. didn't matter how many guys Ohio State had in the box. There were points where Ohio State had nine guys in the box. <laughs> and they still ran and ran for five yeah. yards. Running four and five yards. So I want to see Letty Brown get four. If he gets two, I want to turn around and hand it off to him again. And I want to see that established early and often. I'd like to see wide receivers catch the ball, but I'm not going to put that as a key. So we got turnovers, establishing the run early and often. And I would say getting to the quarterback. It might not be necessarily containing him, but put pressure on Tagovailoa to make those mistakes. Those three things happen, and I think you're looking at a very convincing West Virginia win. Yeah, so I'm right there with you on most of those. I think you do have to establish the run. I think you need to – I think kind of the pressure and the turnovers go hand in hand because I think Mm -hmm. if you force him into scrambling, trying to make stuff up as he goes, I think that's where the turnovers are going to come in. So I'll put that as – one as one key and then my third one is the is those receivers i need to see them and this is a key for this game and a key as the season goes along we got on them hard last year on how bad they were fifth in the nation in drops i need to see that this season is going to be different that they've worked on it fixed it when you're sitting at a third and seven i need to know that a guy's going to run eight yards and catch the football move the chains and keep this thing going so that the west virginia offense can't score enough points to win this game it's hard to get in a rhythm as daggy to when your receivers are dropping the ball every other play yeah because um, then you start to question everything that's going on in the offense instead of just continuing to run your game you start to think of what can I do different. And that's where you start getting into that stale passing game where he may start making the checks when he's got a receiver open because he doesn't want to try to. Yeah. And it might not be, it might be subconsciously that he's not throwing to an open receiver downfield, but making those checks down, that's, it's going to make that offense stale. But if you want to put those turnovers and pressure in together, The one other key that I did have is field position. Maryland was pretty good last year in their field position. Um, Let me see what it looks like. They had a plus three and a half um, field position rating that was 27th in the country. So if our, our punting game and the kickoff game can keep that field position back in the 25, 22, 25 range instead of the 30, 32 range and that may be asking much but 26 27 somewhere in there Mm -hmm. just keep that field position which is a big thing that i believe west virginia had trouble with at times last year was flipping the field position or even just digging themselves out of a hole that was inside the 20 when the field position got flipped on them so a successful drive isn't always ending in a field goal or touchdown. If you start on your four or five yard line and you get to your 40 and you can flip that field, I call that a success when your backs are against the wall, just flipping that field. And I, I think that's something that Neil Brown for the most part has been good at. I think last year the team obviously struggled at it, 
but I think that has a large part to do with the drops and everything that was going on there. But I think the one thing this coaching staff does is they take their mistakes from the year before and they really try to focus on it in the off season. So I think that one aided Neil Brown a little bit. And I think that you're going to see good special teams and a good ability to flip the field position. Yeah. And I won't lie. There were times we were really good at that in games and that's what kept us in games. And then, you can focus on not finishing drives being the reasons we lost them. But there were times that we needed a big field position flip and we just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So getting those seven, eight yards on a punt return, getting that, digging yourself out of that, starting on the four yard line hole to flip the field position that they start on their 10, five, 15, whatever it may be, flip that field position and make that number look a little bit better. You keep them in a hole. You keep the pressure on them to make plays. And it seems the more pressure that's put on that offense to make plays, the more apt they are to turn the ball over. Yep. I totally agree with you there. So uh, we talked about the offense, talked about the defense, talked about special teams. Uh, let's go to our picks. We're, we've got West Virginia minus two and a half, and the over under is at 56 and a half. I'll go first. I think my prediction, I think this is an under game. I think West Virginia wins. I see this being, I think West Virginia does get to the 30 mark. I think they get exactly 30. And then I'm giving Maryland 17. I I just don't see enough from that offense to be able to put up points against this defense. So I'm going to go 30 to 17 Mountaineers. I'm right with you when the, under portion of this so it's going to be a pretty much a wash here with our thoughts on it but i'm also going to change that score to a 27 13 look okay it could be 27 10 some it depends how many field goals they get so i'm i'm putting them one touchdown it could be 27 10 27 13 i like it So that's that's what I expect to see. We'll see what happens. This this game I don't think is going to be exactly what we can expect out of West Virginia yet the rest of the season. You're coming off a COVID year, um, getting a few new starters. It's, it's going to be a brand new thing. It's the first time they've had a full off-season program in two years. So let them get this one out. Um, what do we have week two, Long Island? Long Island, and then we got Virginia Tech. So uh, I think that Virginia Tech game is going to tell you exactly where this Mountaineer team is. Yeah, I like that being the third game because I, I think that's that's right around the area. I mean, the what the Virginia Tech program has been able to do for a long time um, about the stability of that program. It's struggling a little now under Fuente, but I think that's a good measuring stick of where this program is at in Neil Brown's third year. Yep. And that's going to be that's going to be the test, and we're going to see right out of the gate how good Virginia Tech is tonight. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, going up against UNC, I think that's a seven o'clock game. I would definitely be tuned into that one. Yeah, but uh, I guess that that is it. We'll be back. Uh, what, are, what are you thinking, Sunday or Monday? To Sunday or talk? Monday, we'll recap the game. Yeah, we'll recap, and then later on next week we'll get into uh, maybe a, a short, very short episode about LIU because I don't yeah, short one. We might just open up and say, "Yeah, West Virginia wins by a lot." Yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week for two more episodes, um, uh, and.
Go Mountaineers. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. You can find me on Twitter at Hank underscore Naughton Jr. and Instagram at Steinmiller03, even though I don't do much content on there. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you can catch me everywhere at JTZ4. Give us a follow on all social media platforms at Sportshift Media. And then I, I believe uh, I'll be on our Brood Bets show Saturday morning with my gambling picks. Hank, if you're welcome to join, if you want to give out some bets to help make people money. But yeah, we're putting out a lot of great content, so check us out and follow along. All right, sounds good. I might pop on there for you, with you guys, if I can see see what some of the bets look like. I'll, I'll give you one right now if I don't show up. Hammer that Army uh, Georgia State under. I think it's was sitting at 49.5 or 50.5. I, I like that. Uh, I was on that too. So. Mark me down for that if I don't get there, but we'll see you guys next week.